All right, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for Monday, July 31st. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live in studio. In studio. I'm Pat and Clayton. This is another huge weekend. Barbenheimer is still rocking and rolling. Haunted Mansion debuted. We got an internet pair of internet uh, sensations who brought us a, a new film this weekend. Fellow that, YouTubers. Fellow YouTubers, just like us. That's right. Fellow young YouTubers like me and you mm-hmm. also made the box office top 10 this weekend. And we felt like for a weekend this big, we had to bring in some reinforcements. So we brought in from BOHQ, member of the team. I saw him last on the streets of San Diego, post Barbie. Joining us now is wannabe O intern Christopher. Christopher, thank you for joining the BO Boys tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me back. As always, it's never, never a bad time to be at BO Boy HQ for a, for an episode. No, yeah. no complaints here. I, I mean, t- tell us with Barbenheimer. You know, you're at HQ. What is the buzz at BO HQ? What is it? You know, do you feel like we're busier than ever? Do you are are people moving fast enough? Is what I'm trying to say. It's a huge week at the box office. Are are you seeing people at BO HQ on their game right now? Yeah, honestly, the energy's never been higher. Just like Barbie box office is going higher and higher. BO Boys listeners are going higher and higher. And the energy at the BO Boys HQ is keeping up with that. We're Best place we've been in a long, long time. Uh, great to hear. So, Clayton, with that said, could you give us a plow for the box office weekend of Friday, July 28th, 2023? All right. Number one, Barbie made $93 million, a drop of 43%. It added 94 theaters. It's at $351.4 million in its second weekend. Number two, Oppenheimer made $46.2 million, down 44%, added 37 theaters. Its running total is $174 million, also in its second frame. Number three, newbie, Haunted Mansion, made $24.2 million in its first weekend. Number four, Sound of Freedom made $12.4 million, down 37%. It added 126 theaters. It's at $148.9 million in its fourth frame. Number five, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, made $10.7 million, down 45%. It lost a staggering 1,130 theaters. It is at $139.2 million in its third weekend and going to extend it for number six because talk to me, the A24 horror movie made by fellow YouTubers made $10 million in its first frame. And, you know, come Monday, that thing could be beating Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. All right, guys. So there's so much to talk about this week. Let's quickly touch on, you know, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. It's not going to get to Sound of Freedom numbers. It's not going to get to Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny numbers. It's uh, just, could we officially say, is, is this a giant dud? A few weeks ago, we were saying it's underperformed in the opening. It would be okay. Last weekend, we still had some hopes maybe it could level out 
This movie's at 139 after three weeks. Is this, and it lost 1,100 theaters. Is this thing dead? Yeah, I mean, looking at it, it is. I mean, that is a staggering loss of theaters when you see other movies adding. I mean, obviously, Barbie's going to add theaters. Oppenheimer's adding theaters. But Sound of Freedom added another 126. Yeah. And all the way down to uh, number 11, we had uh, Theater Camp adding some theaters. Now, of course, that's, you know, a wide release. But still, it's like this movie, like you said, 139, that's less than Sound of Freedom. It's not going to touch Sound of Freedom at this point. It's not going to touch Indiana Jones, which is at 167. Nope. Elemental is in sight. But other than that, I mean, yeah, this thing is officially a dud. It, it could make less than Elemental. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is very possible. Elemental's got it beat by 5 million and Mission Impossible made 7 million than Elemental more, made 7 million more last week than Elemental. So you think it should catch up to it, but it might not. Mission Impossible might really fall off a cliff at this point. Well, because it's not going to get any PLFs back. I mean, that's no. the big thing. I mean, this movie is not getting the PLFs like Tom Cruise hoped because Barbie and Oppenheimer are too unstoppable. Yeah, Oppenheimer just announced, actually, I saw today that it was announced it's getting another exclusive week in IMAX screens. Wow. So they just extended it another week. So yeah, no no hope for Mission Impossible. Oh. And I bet you those, those I, I wish I could jump off right now and grab a ticket because I'm sure that those are all sold out by now. Oh, yeah. Did you? I also saw on Twitter this week, too, people were selling Oppenheimer tickets actually for the AMC Lincoln Center for like $1,000 for five <gasps> seats in the middle of one of the IMAX screenings just because of how sold out they are. Yeah. So people are now like going to eBay and stuff and trying to sell their Oppenheimer tickets. But it's, it's only good for good seats. So we can't oh, yeah, grab only for front row seats. seats and try to turn around for a grand. It'd be yeah, a great scam gotta, if we could pull it off, but what a yeah. summer of scams this is mm-hmm. at the box yeah. office. That that is really the headline this summer is that just people making money off the box office in such unexpected ways. I love that there's I love that the movie industry now has ticket scalping. I mean, that's such a sign <laughs> of success because it's like Taylor Swift, NFL, mm-hmm. and now you've got IMAX movie theaters are in that echelon of entertainment. That's such a great sign. When you see when you see people really swindling out there, then you you know things are going right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Tom Cruise, you know, we we've talked about it at BOHQ Clayton, how Tom Cruise went out there at the beginning of the summer and he's and he's talking up all these movies. He's talking up Barbie and he's talking up Oppenheimer. And they just came around and they bit him square in the ass. Mm-hmm. You know, he thought he was gonna get these IMAXs back the week or two after Oppenheimer opened. Obviously that's not happening. And he went out there and he talked them up and Oppenheimer just bit him in the ass. Yeah. It's like he was playing the baby face, putting them over and then they just turned a heel right on him and took him down. Wow. Wow. I think just think of how much more money this movie could have been made if it was released any other week before the week of Oppenheimer and had those IMAX screens. This is such a clear case of Paramount just choosing that probably the absolute worst date they could have chosen on the calendar year yeah. and releasing the one movie like you guys were talking about where they're like, you have to see it on the biggest screen possible. And now you can't see the biggest screen possible. And it's suffering because of that. Yeah. And, and I think that's a marketing failure. Mm-hmm. I do think Mendelssohn mentioned this 
on our last episode, the great Scott Mendelson, and I tend to agree with this now that if you weren't going to have the the IMAXs and PLFs for an extended amount of time, you should not say this movie needs that. Yeah. You should have just yeah. said, this is a great movie any way you see it. Yeah. In theaters, obviously, not on your phone, yeah. but in theaters, see it anywhere at any time. But that wasn't how Maverick was, was uh, pushed, and that's why they thought, well, listen, we got the star of Maverick, we got one of the writers of Maverick, this, this should all be working and this should just be history repeating and history did not repeat itself. History was being rewritten by Barbie and Oppenheimer. Do you think Tom Cruise at this point needs to come out and say, actually, the best way to see this is on the crappiest screens possible? Because mm -hmm. that's kind of what Mission Impossible is going to be playing on. Like short of some of these Sound of Freedom auditoriums, Mission Impossible is going to start being relegated to the shittiest auditoriums in every movie theater that it's in. And maybe Tom Cruise has to come in like, you know what? The motorcycle stunt isn't that good. So you're better off seeing it on a smaller screen. Well, he should, they should just go all in and say, and release a new cut, a quote unquote new cut. Mm -hmm. That's a crappy cut. Yeah. Yeah. Am I, am I dead reckoning part one, the crappy cuts yeah. see it at any screen possible? Yeah. Anywhere on the, uh, you know, see it obviously like, you know, you want to go to reputable places, you know, you don't want somebody with a bootleg version from pirate Bay and, you know, projecting it onto a, a sheet. Right. Right. But <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a step above that. Yeah. Watch yeah. it that way. Yeah. It's, it is, it is stunning that mission impossible is going to end up in the elemental level of domestic box office. Uh, just, just wild, just wild. So let's move on to, I mean, let's, let's jump into the top two. I mean, let's, let's talk Barbie. Let's talk success. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this Barbie drop is only 43%. And, you know, last week on the show with Scott Mendelson, I predicted maybe it could hit a hundred. It, it obviously came very close at 93. Hey, it still could last week. The Monday actuals were even higher for Barbie. So who knows it possibly there and it added 7 million last week. So who knows? Maybe yep. we'll get lucky a second time. Yep. Barbie had a strong Sunday last week. Yeah. Yeah. So and this never could happen again. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, I mean, talk to us, uh, Christopher from the, college perspective obviously right now you are on summer break so you're you're not maybe seeing all of your college chums as regular you're not in the frat houses you're not in the sorority houses right now but amongst college students what is the barbie buzz like just how excited are people in that 18 to 24 you know there's some 24 year olds that are probably got left back a few times that are still in college the van wilder situation exactly so the you know both the current college students and the van wilder age college students what is the barbie buzz just how excited are your your colleagues for this movie well, Barbenheimer is huge. Like, so after the the Monday after I got back, I saw Oppenheimer with my friends. Actually, the Tuesday then, I've seen Barbie twice now. Mm -hmm. And then my friends want me to do a Barbenheimer this upcoming Friday. So I think I'm going to do a back-to-back rewatch of both movies again. So all, all of my friends want to go see Barbie and Oppenheimer, both pretty equally overall for everyone. You just said to do a Barbenheimer. Yeah. And amongst college students, like doing a keg stand, 
doing a power hour, you know, those type of just endurance challenges have always been such a big part of a college student's life. So the fact that you could do a Barbenheimer, how much do you think that has has made this a destination for college students to see these movies? Because you could physically, mentally challenge yourself by just seeing movies. It is. I don't think... I, I, I'm a little crazier with this stuff. Obviously, I love the BO. I love movies. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my friends definitely this Barbenheimer phenomenon has made them want to see at least one or both of them. I don't know if all of them will do a Barbenheimer like the same day, but a lot of them want to do Barbenheimer either back to back days or over the course of a week or something. So it, it might not be as good of an endurance test, but everyone's definitely wants to do a Barbenheimer. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a Barbenheimer. So, of course, Christopher, you and I saw Barbie together opening night last weekend. And then my wife and I did a Barbenheimer this past Friday. We saw Barbie in the morning and then we had a lunch. We had another break. We had a dinner and then we went to Oppenheimer late at night. So, you know, we're older. We need that huge uh, rest period in between. Like we, we legitimately both napped at some point during the day. So I think that is a, a almost a PSA for people right now who are looking to do a Barbenheimer is know your own age, know your physical limits because a college student could do a Barbie, no break, you know, smoke a pipe, go right to, uh, uh, you know, do a keg stand and go right to Oppenheimer without a break. But if you are older and that means in movie going terms, 39 or older, you do need to build in, I think a big rest period, maybe get a, uh, uh, you know, get a, maybe even honestly a medical checkup before you complete a Barbenheimer. So that's just for our listeners out there, be careful when you Barbenheimer. Yeah, but I will say, and I don't want to be morbid, okay. uh, but, and I know that this is like a happy situation, the Barbenheimer stuff, but I mean, at this point, if somebody did die doing a Barbenheimer, it is only going to be positive because it adds that sense of danger that the kind of people who are scoffing at this, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's nothing. It, well, I could do that standing on my head. Well, could you? Because people have died. Mm-hmm. It, it would be like a repeat of the Terrifier 2, getting out there that someone died, someone puked while seeing Terrifier 2. Yeah. Imagine the news if that got out there, if someone died watching Barmanheimer. Imagine yeah. how many people would want to go try and do it then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this movie is so huge, though. And so in the general mainstream that I don't think Barbenheimer necessarily benefits from the like threat of death being in there. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think a smaller movie. Now, listen, we haven't mentioned this yet, but obviously other studios are going to try and capitalize on the Barbenheimer thing. And there is the we've seen it on the Internet. Paramount tried trying to make Saw Patrol happen because uh, the Saw yeah, movie nah. opening late September, same weekend as Paw Patrol. Paramount did their tweet. You know, they had their intern who obviously is not nearly as skilled as wannabe O intern Christopher. They had mm-hmm. their intern do a tweet saying six tickets for Saw Patrol with a picture of the six puppies there. And that, though, that's the type of uh, uh, endurance movie combo where like a death would probably benefit Saw Patrol weekend. Oh, and if they died oh, during Paw Patrol. Yes. <laughs> instead of Saw, that's when that, yeah, absolutely. You need to have notoriety. You ha- need to have something like that happen during that. I agree. Yeah, but Barbenheimer is so big that I I don't know if a death could goose the BO because the BO is just so high right yeah. now. But a, a death at the theater would definitely goose the uh, Saw Patrol, Saw Paw Patrol weekend in September. That's for sure. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, looking at this Barbie number, it is just so gigantic. This movie now is at, is it at $770 million worldwide? It's currently at 774 worldwide uh, as of this moment. Obviously, this could go higher even when the Monday actuals come in, like Christopher said. I mean, billion-dollar baby is assured. Mm-hmm. And are we looking at that 1.3-something amount for Super Mario Brothers? Are, do all of us agree that that is going to fall? Barbie will will take the top spot of the year for Mario. Is there any doubt to that at this point? No, I think it's 100% going to happen at this point in the game. Barbie domestically is only like 2 million behind Super Mario Brothers. And I think it's actually doing better. I know we don't focus on worldwide, but I think it's doing better worldwide than overall the Mario was at this point. So I think it easily beats Mario and has maybe even has another 100 million on it by the end. Mm -hmm. I mean, do we think that what was the Maverick number last year? The the Maverick uh, World- seven like seven eighteen seven nineteen. It was like right below seven twenty, and I think Barbie could almost get there. Barbie is basically this year's Top Gun Maverick. Wow, wow. I mean, yeah, Maverick last year made a total of worldwide made one point four seven eight. So now the question is, could Barbie make one point five? worldwide at the end of its run and pass Maverick. I I think that's in play at this point. Like in 10 days, it's done 775 million. Could it do another 770 before all said and done between here and the end? And and I think that's possible. Yeah. I mean, I don't see anything coming up this summer to really compete with it. Right. You know? Right. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, well, we'll we'll talk later because on this episode, we're going to talk this past weekend, but we also are going to do a little preview since Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem opens on Wednesday. We are going to do a joint preview of that movie. And when we get to it, that is something that I think could not put a dent. Nothing's going to put a dent in Barbie, but I think could go for a similar audience or a similar part of Barbie's audience. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's a movie you see and then you go see Barbie again. Like I I don't, I mean, there's no way Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is going to steal any of this Barbenheimer thunder in any shape or form. I think that more affects the families who are still going to see Elemental in its seventh or eighth weekend. than it affects Mm. the people going to see Barbie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the, you know, the Barbie news, there's not much more other than it is fully, undoubtedly a phenomenon. The drop was amazing. Only having a 43% drop fully solidified. This thing as a phenomenon, you know, Star Wars again, Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, they're going to be able to write their own check for whatever they do next after this movie. And this was WB's best week at the box office ever beating um, the Dark Knight back in 2008. Wow. Yeah, best weekend two, second weekend, right? Uh, well, no, and all their um, all the weekdays of Barbie were better than the best Warner Brothers weekdays. So it's their best week at the box office. Oh, oh, office yeah, all together. Okay, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. Um, and Barbie crossed the three hundred million mark in nine days. It's the fastest female-driven pick to do so stateside, beating Beauty and the Beast ten days. So yeah. Christopher, I ranted on this last week, but I'll uh, give you a chance to say your piece on it. Greta Gerwig, reportedly, her next movie is going to be doing two Narnia movies for Netflix. And Mm -hmm. those Narnia movies, I feel like those might have come out 
And at a time when it would have hit you in your youth, I mean, obviously by the time those came out, me and Clayton were out there drinking, getting laid and, and, you know, doing grown up stuff. But for you, those Narnia movies, I don't know if they were part of your childhood, but are you excited that the biggest box office director of the moment, Sans maybe Nolan, her next move is going to go to a streamer and make Narnia movies? Or does this, like me, rankle your feathers? It does wrinkle my feathers a little bit. I am slightly excited just because of her talent. And I saw in an interview, she says she only picks projects that she actually is invested in. So if she is excited for a Narnia movie and the only way she can get it made is at Netflix, I understand what she's doing personally. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I do not really like what Netflix is doing. This is a this is basically another knives out situation which was absolutely horrible and i i just wish a studio was trying to develop a new chronicles of narnia movie and not netflix and yeah because greta gerwig like you guys were saying she could be the next christopher nolan or something like that but i think going to netflix is going to change that trajectory a lot and it's going to be a lot harder for her to build her name up like that if these were made for a studio instead of a streamer yeah yeah, it's just, I, I totally agree. Whatever Greta Gerwig wants to do artistically, I'm sure it'll be great. But the fact that there will not be box office numbers attached to her next two movies, her next five plus years of output will have no Greta Gerwig smashes another box office record. Mm-hmm. That is, I think, uh, uh, you know, we've got a lot of problems in that in this world. And I think this ranks, to me, top of the list top of the list ai is a threat and was wars raging all over the world but honestly greta gerwig's next two movies not being for theatrical is something that we also need to sit down as a worldwide community and and discuss i think we could reach across the aisle for something like that yeah yeah definitely Mm. so oppenheimer i saw this film um last night Uh, listen i'm not a christopher nolan guy I i didn't love this movie but that doesn't matter. This thing is a gigantic hit. It is now at 174 million after 10 days, which is a number that would have been, I think, a full-on considered a success or near a success if this was the full domestic run of Oppenheimer. Oh, this mm. would uh, even if this was the full domestic run, out 100% would be considered a success. That's I think that's pretty close to what like his past movies have done too. In total. So, yeah, this what what Oppenheimer is doing for Christopher Nolan is absolutely amazing. I mean, it's solidifying him as a guy who is the biggest box office draw when it comes to directors, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, again, we were talking about Greta and how, th- th- you know, there's a possibility she could have become something like that, you know, if she continued to do theatrical films, which hopefully in the future she does. But yeah, Nolan after Tenet, that was just a weird outlier. That movie is not indicative of people's interest in him or his movies. And honestly, that still did pretty good for the times it came out, at least worldwide. So that just still goes to show something about his name. Absolutely. Yeah, he is. I mean, we gave him, we, you know, listen, he was the dead horse we beat. Mm -hmm. We gave him, you know, crap for you know, talking about Warner Brothers turning his back, having a, you know, a little fit over it. But at the end of the day, he's been vindicated. Yeah. You know, he is a star director. There's not one person in that movie that is selling that movie more than he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes a star director. Yeah. 
Um, so I said how I didn't love this movie, but I was telling Clayton this at the water cooler at BOHQ that even though I did not love this movie, I am considering at some point in the next month when they open up getting IMAX tickets to this movie to just go and see the middle, you know, half hour. So basically the bomb sequence just to walk mm-hmm. in two hours into the movie, watch that sequence and walk out because I just want to see that again on IMAX. And I think that we can't discount the amount of people who may end up doing that in the next month. People who are just going to see a second or third time, just go in for like that middle half hour on on an IMAX or PLF and then walk out. Now, what do you guys think of this idea? Okay. Where you, you spread this showings a little bit more you add a little bit of space in between Mm -hmm. and you can buy a discount ticket to go in and sit there for say 10 minutes or however long it takes Mm -hmm. and just watch the bomb okay it's like a seven dollar ticket or something because it's only 20 minutes and it's while they're cleaning up they can clean up around you Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or so they're only showing that sequence. They're it's only not, showing that sequence, but it. it's in between the showings. Yeah. And they're seven, eight dollar tickets. And maybe they're not cleaning up while you're doing it, but you're asked to take a piece of garbage with you right. when you leave <laughs> right, right. to help clean. Mm-hmm. And you just get to see the bomb. Because even if you've seen the whole movie, you'll get to see that bomb again on IMAX. Right. And so that way they're still making money. And people are going to be satisfied because they get to see the money shot. I'm not to be crass and not to be crude. Mm, Yeah. You know, I don't want to add to the coarsening of society, but it's the money shot. Yeah. I would love that because I mean, right now I'm planning to possibly go back just to see the bomb, but I'd have to do some math in trying to figure out when the bomb takes place. Yeah. How long the trailers are going to be, what time I should show up so that I don't have to see anything other than the bomb. Because again, I didn't love this film and I wouldn't want to see anything else again other than the bomb. But if they do these 30-minute bomb-only screenings, then it's like any other movie. I don't have to do any math, any runtime math in my head. I just buy a ticket for that. Uh, I would love it. And I would love it. You, so the discount you, doesn't even matter to me because I'm an AMCA list yeah. member. So I'm just getting it that way anyway. But, you know, for the Earth Dogs. Yeah, the plane bill. Plane bill, yeah. yeah the stack yeah. But the other thing you could do, too, is you could do a mini Barbenheimer where you show the bomb mm-hmm. and you show Ken's song. You have Ken singing yeah. I'm Just Ken and that whole thing right. where he's singing, maybe even add the him singing push. Yeah. And that's the double feature, the mini double feature. You spend 14 bucks on it. Yeah. And you're in and out in 30 minutes. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a great, I think, September post-Labor Day deal mm-hmm. to do. And listen, if these studios do, and we'll talk about this in a bit, if these studios do start pushing these fall releases into 2024 because of the strikes and no promotion and all that, uh, having this Barbenheimer special cut as its own release might be what theaters need to keep the lights on mm-hmm. in, in, in October, mm-hmm. November, you know, when the only thing playing is the Marvels. Yeah. Or they re-release mission impossible dead reckoning on IMAX. I mean, that's, you know, that's one of those things yeah. that could possibly happen. Yeah. I don't know if there'd be much interest. I don't think there'd be interest. I think it's got 
the stink of a bomb on it. I think Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning just has that stink on it that maybe is in some ways worse than the stink of kind of any other of these these franchises that stalled out this summer. Mm-hmm. I, it almost feels like Mission Impossible somehow has the worst stink because it had the highest expectations. And I think the hubris, I think yeah, the hubris th- anybody who was kind of gunning for Tom as, you know, he's he was playing Grand Marshal of Movie Land. And as much as, you know, Spielberg went up to him and said, you saved theaters and all, his head got really big. Yeah. And the guy already had yeah. a big head. And yeah. then we people love to kind of be, you know, taking down their idols. They love to see the mighty fall. And this is a mighty fall. Yeah. So I, I don't think an IMAX re-release of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning in the fall does anything. I, I just think people have passed on that movie at this point. Well, so let's then talk about Haunted Mansion. Let's talk about Haunted because Mansion. Because this There's was an elephant a in the room. new movie that came out. Made 24.2. They were eyeing like 30 for it. Mm-hmm. So it didn't go that much lower than they expected. But we've, you know, we were having this conversation again at the water cooler. Uh, what was the expectation for this movie anyway? Right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the thing is, is, okay, this Haunted Mansion movie made 24 million. In what world does this movie do considerably more than that. I mean, to me, the ceiling on this movie was always going to be in the thirties at best. There's no giant movie star. It's a redo of a movie that came out in the early two thousands that people were all met about. And that movie had a giant star in Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. The haunted mansion ride is well known, but it's not, a Barbie property where it is beloved in any way. Kids don't play haunted mansion every day for the last 80 years. Yeah. You know, it's like a ride you go on when you're there at Disney world. So uh, to me, this 24 million that it made is a little less than what the best case scenario could have been. I mean, am I wrong? Uh, Christopher, is this a movie that, you think had a higher ceiling that the young people could have been more interested in if, if, you know, Danny DeVito was allowed to go out and promote it on the circuit, but the stag strike kept Danny DeVito from promoting the movie. I don't know. I think it definitely could have done a little more if the actors were there. I think Disney thought they might be able to do another Pirates of the Caribbean because other than that ride, I I would probably say Haunted Mansion is their, like one of their most popular rides of all time. Mm-hmm. So I bet they were hoping for a little bit of that effect. And then still, again, I don't think anyone could have seen this Oppenheimer coming in and just like sucking all the oxygen out of the room. Like no one could have expected that. And I really do think Barbenheimer probably shaved. I think it could have easily made 30 million if Barbenheimer wasn't as big as it was. But even like you said, 30 million on the budget it has is still not, really justified so in the end i guess i don't really know what they thought this was going to do yeah there's there's to me exactly that's the thing with this budget green lighting this movie at this budget you've kind of greenlit a movie that could never have been a success at that budget because it kind of opened at around the best case scenario or a little less you know and if this movie gets to the 75 million dollars that the original movie got to that's I think what they could have expected. And and as for yeah. a Pirates of the Caribbean comp, uh, we all love Lakeith Stanfield, but it never felt like he was in a position 
to have a Johnny Depp, Captain Sparrow level, like exciting role. You mm -hmm. know, they didn't design mm -hmm. this movie to me to have anything that was going to break out in any big way. Again, short of Danny DeVito, I think really catching fire in this movie. And again, I, I haven't seen this, but I don't think he was ever in a position to cook either. Um, here's some demos. We do have some demos for for it. Mm. Uh, 59% women, 41% men. Wow. I know these are, yeah. these demos are wacky. You guys 40. Yeah. Um, well, here's my, my thought on that is probably that is a lot of moms taking kids yeah. to the theater, but it's probably cause they couldn't go see, uh, probably cause they couldn't go see Barbie. Yep. So for the Barbie screening was probably sold out. So they went straight to the next kid movie that wasn't elemental, which they probably saw a few weeks ago anyway. Oh, those poor kids who they got yeah. dragged to the theater and then Barbie was sold out because their mom didn't know how to or not to use know. an listen, app. Listen, I don't want to be out here yeah. blaming moms. Moms make the world go around. Uh, we all love our moms. But somehow the mom missed out on Barbie tickets. And so this kid has to go see Haunted Mansion. So 45 percent, 18 to 34 and the largest demo was 25 to 34%. I mean, sorry, 25 to 34 years of age at 28%. Diversity demos, this is also odd to me. 48% mm -hmm. Caucasian, 25% Latino and Hispanic, 13% Black, and 14% Asian. Yes, yeah, so It's it very heavily Caucasian mm -hmm. for a mm -hmm. movie that I do think they were aiming more for the Black audience. I mean, sort of, but if you look at the big stars in this movie it's like the most famous people in this movie are jared leto owen wilson jamie lee curtis danny devito you know but they're not tiffany really promoting keith sanfield but neither of them are and tiffany haddish should have been a bigger star she just came too late in the in the game as far as comedy movies but her and keith sanfield are not giant stars like the big stars are the legacy white actors in this. I don't think they were promoting Jared Leto in this movie too much though. They, like, yeah, they I don't were think... not. They were trying to hide his presence in this. But I do agree I with don't you. Even, You're right. Yeah. You're right that uh, Owen Wilson is probably the biggest star in this. Yeah. Jamie Lee and Danny DeVito like they they are more famous. So you look at that cast and to diverse audiences it's just it's a Danny DeVito movie. I guess, but you know, I, I, I just do think that it was like, I was not expecting it to be as low as that. Yeah. That's, that's still very low for a movie that was, that was attempting to be diverse. Was there any youth awareness for this movie, Christopher? Do any of your, your frat buddies at the frat parties or already houses, was anyone talking Haunted Mansion? No, and especially like again, Barbenheimer. No, no one's talking about any movie other than Barbenheimer right now. Yeah. Every, that that that's the talk of the talk of the town. Well, speaking of talking, give us oh. a little bit of info on this movie. A twenty four's talk to me. The hits just keep coming for A twenty four. So this movie made ten million dollars, and that is the biggest opening next to Hereditary. Yeah. that A24 has had. Wow. Wow. So this is a horror movie and it's about a group of friends messing around with an embalmed hand to no good end. That is the, the log line for this movie. So Christopher, before we got on there, you were telling us that you actually 
have been a fan of these filmmakers, these YouTubers who are YouTubers just like myself and Clayton. You've been a fan of theirs for a while. So what is their YouTube background? Are they horror YouTubers? Do they, do they, is there a thing been to go on YouTube and create horror films? What are the uh, Filippo brothers about? No, so they're actually, uh, from what I, from what I've seen, they're very much in the comedy realm. They made a lot of parodies, a lot of like Ronald McDonald parodies. They made like Marvel and DC parodies, just a bunch of pop culture parodies. I believe their, their YouTube name is called Racka Racka. I've been subscribed to them for probably like for a lot of my life, I'd say probably five or 10 years. Wow. Uh, so it was really cool going to the movies this weekend and seeing people who like started out really small, finally making this big movie that's doing amazing for a 24 at the box office. Was there any of the Ronald McDonald parody content in this film? Talk to me. Is there, is there a Ronald McDonald element here? Did they? Did no, they sadly. Sad. I do wish there was. I do wish there was. But sadly, there was not. If a Ronald McDonald figure had just walked through the background, would the crowd have gone apeshit because they all remember that? I, th- I, I think so. I feel like this movie is definitely probably partially driven by people just knowing Raka Raka because there was no real promotion or anything as that I saw, especially with the strike going on. And this movie still did pretty good. And I've seen the movie myself. I I know we're not critics, huh? Uh -huh. I think this movie is going to have amazing word of mouth. It had a great cinema score. And I I think this movie will be pretty leggy for sure. And right now it's the only real thing that's horror that's out there. I wouldn't really count Haunted Mansion as a horror movie at Mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. So that that's going to be for the horror hounds until I think Saw is the next horror movie I can think of that comes out theatrically. So I think this will leg out nicely in the latter part of the summer. Oh, I do think there's that vampire boat movie. The Oh, The Voyage of the Last Dementor. Yeah. But that, you know, that could not be good. That does have a little bit of a stench to it. Yeah. That feels like the August horror, like last year's The Invitation. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'll do. And they're, they're both vampire movies, too. So I definitely think. That that won't do any any good, and I think this talk to me movie will definitely leg out. So we're not critics, huh? But huh. did you saw talk to me? Did is does it deliver the scares? Does it deliver the gore? Like what 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 kind of horror is this delivering? Is it ghostly horror? Is it is it gorehound horror? It's definitely gorehound horror. Okay. I saw it with one of my friends, and he after the movie he turned to me. He was like, "That's probably the best horror movie I've seen in a while." Wow. And, and I agree. I thought I this is a very good movie, and uh, a lot of people have been claiming this, complaining about this. This movie is short. It's an hour and thirty minutes. You get in, get Love out. It. There's none. A lot of these people, a lot of people I've seen have complaining about how movies are two hours, two and a half at at least most of the time. Now this is a quick and short movie. Kind of, kind of just like that's probably what made Barbie some, such a phenomenon. That movie clocks in at under two hours. So just like that, talk to me is. I think this movie will do very good. I mean, that's where the benefit of coming from the YouTube background comes in, because I'm sure the Waka Waka guys were doing what? Two minute videos where Ronald McDonald is screaming at a kid. I mean, I've never seen these, but I imagine it's Ronald McDonald is being somewhat antagonistic towards. Oh, yeah, 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 he is, which is the way they had to go. I I, I mean, of you course, just have to yeah. do it. Narratively, it makes sense. Yeah. So for mm. them, two minute videos make them popular. They're not going to. They're not doing uh, uh, an Irishman level, you know, runtime. They they need no. to be uh, that ninety minutes probably almost killed them to get to that point. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Now, th- this is this sets up an interesting thing with YouTubers in general because this is a major crossover for YouTube personalities mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. to, you know, from comedy videos to a full-length film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is serious and scary where, you know, you we, we've seen in the last 10 to 15 years comedic people who are known for their comedic content pivoting to horror, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. of course, Jordan Peele, of course, the director and writer of Barbarian, uh, Zach Krager. Yeah. Um, is this going to set the stage for your smosh horror movie, for your good mythical morning Rhett and Link horror movie? Are mm-hmm. these other YouTubers going to try to jump on this bandwagon? And are we going to get terrible product in an attempt to try and duplicate this sort of success? Right. Does, does Logan Paul go horror now i'm i would look forward to that yeah of course i mean that that is a pot i mean if that happens listen i'm happy right you know the paul brothers doing a horror movie set in in the cleveland i think they're from cleveland right yeah 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 Yeah, Uh, but i think i think they currently train on uh in uh, puerto rico so you could also set their horror movie there yeah but i mean what do you think about this uh christopher is this something that you as a youth Mm -hmm. would be open to or does this seem like i hope this doesn't happen i i want to say i don't want it to happen but at the same time like Watching what what Raka Raka did on YouTube compared to what they do now, I think the best way to find these next type of exciting new directors is by going through all these YouTubers. And even if only one or two of them hit, those two that hit are going to be so much more helpful to you in the long run than those few that like did one terrible movie and you're done with them. Because then you have that success pipeline to keep going. And most of these YouTubers are relatively young. So they could have like long careers ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And in the end, comedy and horror are relatively the same thing because comedy, you're just building up to the punchline mm-hmm. to get everyone to laugh. And horror, you're just building up the tension to get the good, the big scare. So I do think if these people know how to do comedy right, that's how they're able to pivot to horror. And that's how I think all these past comedians have had such, such success in that realm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And listen, we're we're obviously you know uh analysts here on youtube but we are youtubers so Mm -hmm. it does leave open the possibility that a future iteration of the bo boys is going to be feature length horror films if this youtuber to Mm -hmm. horror uh feature films pipeline continues you could see the bo boys you could see you know we've had him on the show eric weber midnight movie talk youtuber like he could end up very easily i think having a horror film in the next few years that our friends at the the new flesh podcast would, would be covering on their show. So that, that could be the future of horror films is our YouTubers creating horror films. I, I I'm for it as a YouTuber. I'm for it. Well, I, I the BO boys will have a feature length movie. Yeah. We've yeah. agreed upon this, that this is something that will mm-hmm. happen yeah, in course. the future. We just don't know what genre it will be. Right. 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 So horror's got thrown its hat in the ring because mm-hmm. of, of this talk to me movie. Yeah. I mean, looking ahead at this, you're right. It's going to have a pretty 
Nice Run as being one of the main horror options at the box office. $10 million in A24. It can't be underestimated that like A24 having a first weekend like this, they're going to go all in on this movie. Yes. You know, yeah. and they've got the cool factor already. They could see the the ceiling on this could be very high for them. They are going to put all of their cool hoodie wearing social media mavens on this movie. I guarantee there was a meeting this weekend. Talk to me is the one we're going all in on for the next month. And uh, with a 24 backing it, that could be a huge, huge deal. Yeah. And, and Raka, they're still posting stuff. They're posting promotion on their YouTube page too. So I think they'll be able to get some of their subscribers to go out and see the movie too. Cause they're, they're, they're not acting in the movie. So they're, they're not involved with the strikes at all. So they can still fully promote the film and, and I, I don't know their subscriber base, but I'm pretty sure it's a fairly large amount. So I think they have all those built in that built in fan base already too, that they can still keep promoting to and keep reaching out to, to hopefully go, go, go get them to see the movie. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that's, that is really the story of this box office top 10 this weekend are star directors, you know, Greta Gerwig star director, Christopher Nolan star director, rock a rock guys star directors. They are the reason people came to this this weekend. So invest in your big auteur filmmakers and, and you could see a big payoff. Um, anything else in this top 10 that's sticking out to anyone? I mean, speaking out of par in cities, the red door, is it 70 million, 78 million domestic? I think it's at like one, uh, 174 worldwide and now it is now after this weekend officially the highest grossing film in the insidious franchise beating the last key which was the previous one that came out wow and, and patrick wilson directing that so you know these mm-hmm. uh, like Greta gerwig an actor turned director who is just hot at the box office and again you'd never you know, this is something our buddies at the new flesh brett always says this never bet against horror Horror yeah. always wins. Horror always wins. And Insidious, just an under-the-radar giant hit this summer. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't see anything else here worthy of talking about. I don't, what do you think, Christopher? Anything you... Uh, all these movies seem nah, like nah. old news Let, to me. Let's then just yeah. quickly touch on these Sony moves. Sony has dated some movies, and they've moved some movies. And... The biggest move I would say is that Sony has moved the Sony Spider-Man universe uh, film Craven the Hunter, which was going to star or does star Aaron Taylor Johnson. They have moved it from October 6th all the way to August 30th, 2024. So a full year plus from now, 13 months from now is when that Craven the Hunter movie is actually going to open. So uh, let's just start on that one. Uh, Christopher, you mentioned before we got on the air that some of these Sony moves are because of the strike and some of them were probably because the movie is terrible or needed more work. Where do you think Craven the Hunter falls here? I think Craven has a very high likelihood of being an next Morbius situation. Yep. And yep. Sony is just pushing it off for as long as they possibly can. And just having the strike as the backdrop makes it not seem like it is like that, even though pretty much everyone knows it will be. Yeah. I, 
I, for one, I agree. This is going to be Morbius. This Craven the Hunter is going to be a giant disaster. It's just caught up in this time where people are fully rejecting superhero movies. And this was always going to be something that was on that low end of what a superhero movie was. I don't get why Sony doesn't just put it out, eat shit in October and move on. Like, why do they want to think about this Craven the Hunter for another year and the problem over with the problem with these movies is that they were trying to create a supervillain universe Mm -hmm. where they create a sinister six movie where you have craven you have venom you have morbius Mm -hmm. and they're trying to connect all of these movies together when you push these movies back they just mess with the logistics of the other movies. Mm. So that's another reason why I don't understand why they do it, because all those moves that happened around No Way Home screwed with a lot of continuity, not only with Marvel movies, but also with the Sony-verse movies. Mm -hmm. So I just don't understand, like you said, this movie's going to bomb. It's going to tank. It looks terrible. People are goofing on it. Just release it, take your lumps, and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there must. The quicker be- it gets to Netflix, people will watch that on Netflix because it was in the theaters. Yeah, there must be some kind of either tax situation or some clause in an executive's contract where it's like, I won't be fired until Craven the Hunter bombs. So they keep pushing Craven the Hunter off so that they legally can't get fired because there, there's there's nothing that time will gain for Sony with this movie. It will bomb in October or next August, or 10 years from now, it, it, there's no time period in which this movie doesn't bomb. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there, there has to be some kind of tax write-off situation where they don't want to release it this year. And, and Pat, mm-hmm. I think the other big move is actually the Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel because it's finished shooting, and it was supposed to open in December. It was supposed to open December 20th, and now it's getting pushed to March 29th, 2024. Yeah, that that is one where it, it it does blow me away that they finished shooting because that always, you know, from the beginning of the year, when I saw that on the, the schedule for 2023, I always thought this movie was not coming out this year. It just felt too soon after the last one and too much like almost a fake movie. Like, like <laughs> I, I, I really didn't think that... You know, because there's, it's always been called Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we never had any news on what it would be about. You know, when Ghostbusters Afterlife was in production, I felt like there was a lot of talk of Jason Reitman is is coming into the series and just, you know, casting Paul Rudd and people talking about it. This was a movie that always felt like it had not started production. So to me, moving it didn't feel like a big deal, but I guess if they have shot it, then it was real. But I don't know, this this kind of, to me, it feels like saying the B.O. Boys movie has been moved off the schedule. It's like, it doesn't exist yet. So sure, of course, it's not coming out this year. Well, and they're waiting for, they have to do reshoots, I guess, is the thing. But that's what happens with these movies too, is, you know, these kids are getting older. These kids are getting older. I mean, yeah. And so they are just getting older and older. So the longer the strike goes and the more they push back this movie, you're going to see some gangly teenagers <laughs> with yeah. starter stashes yeah. getting up on Comic-Con stages 
while their voices are changing, talking about a movie they shot three years ago. Yeah, I mean, that was something we talked about a lot with the first Ghostbusters Afterlife when originally that was supposed to come out Mm pre-COVID in 2020 and then got pushed all the way back to what, uh, fall of 2022 or... November, yeah, 2021. November 2021. So, you know, that movie got moved back uh, over a year. And at that whole time, we were saying, you got to just put this out, put it out in the dead of COVID because these kids were going to get too old. And then that came out and the the kids in real life were not so much older looking than they were on screen. It was manageable. So they're probably hoping they get lucky again the second time and they push it out and the kids in real life don't look so much older than they do on screen. But you, don't, you don't get lucky over and over again. Beloved character, beloved character podcast mm. from <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife could have a growth spurt. Yeah. And look completely unrecognizable. Right, right, right. Or, I mean, they could also go just have male pattern baldness. Yeah, yeah. In real life. It happens early. But you give them wigs for the for the publicity trail. At, at what point do you de-age a kid? Yeah. Well, it's tough, to <laughs> de-age, it's tough to de-age a kid during a press junket. Because uh-huh. remember, that's where the problem is, is when they get too old in real life and don't look like they did on screen. Mm-hmm. Do and, it all over Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this movie, yeah, moving out of 2024, this, the first one was a hit and that was a hit in November, 2021 when the box office was still not fully back. So it is bad for theaters that this movie is not going to open in December, especially Mm -hmm. when now it's like Aquaman two is the only real big movie coming out in December. Um, Mm. and of course, uh, the Wonka movie. Yeah. Um, Anything else important out of these Sony moves? You know, otherwise it seems like they were shifting things around the schedule. The the Spider-Verse movie sequel being undated, I think, is the other sort of big thing. Yeah. Especially just because... But I, I, I don't know. I feel like that could go either way. I think that could be a situation where um, distance makes the heart grow fonder, especially with that huge cliffhanger. Everyone will tell their friends, oh, you got to watch these movies. Basically the same effect that happened after the first one dropped on Netflix. So, but I also think maybe it's one of those things where people want to see it so bad as quickly as possible. And then three, four years comes by and it's still not out and people start to slowly forget about it too. Mm -hmm. But uh, I could go either way, but I do think that's the other big release date change that came out. Yeah. I I mean, that movie was supposed to come out next, uh, April, March, March. Uh, it says Easter weekend. So whatever Easter falls on in spring 2024, that always felt like that also wasn't going to happen for that movie to come out less than a year after the last one always felt ambitious. So yeah, I I don't think they were ever going to make that date even with the, the strike. So yeah, nothing, nothing momentous, you know, the, the shoe hasn't dropped yet. In terms of 2023 moves, you know, we haven't had Dune moved out of the year. We haven't had Wonka moved out of the year. Um, we haven't had, I mean, the Marvel's going to bomb, but that, that hasn't been moved out. So I, I think these moves are still not a death blow yet to the fall theater schedule. No, these all feel to me like they were just not going to be ready in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I do just want to throw out there that I find interesting is that Bad Boys 4 wrapped production and is going to is now dated for June 14th, 2024. So this is going to be Will Smith's 
first, I think, real test of where his popularity is at post the slap. You know, he's he's got a bad boys movie coming out. That last one was a gigantic hit and it it was beloved, I would say. The box office weekend where it went up and up and up that whole opening weekend was something really special. And um it's gonna be interesting to see if Bad Boys 4 is just a hit and people are like, you know what? It's fine. He slapped Chris Rock. Who cares anymore? It's Will Smith, I, which is what I think is going to happen. I know, I think Clayton disagrees there, but I, I do think Bad Boys 4 next June is going to be a huge hit and people are going to be like, I'm not mad at Will Smith anymore. Who cares? I think it's going to be a huge hit. Hey, in Hollywood, they say uh, no press is bad press. So I think that that just kept Will Smith in the conversation. And another not fun, so funny thing, the directors of Bad Boys 3 were another Nef- not Netflix, but they were an HBO Max casualty that actually directed the now canceled Batgirl movie yeah. for what was Max at the time. So those streamers just keep stealing all those good directors and yeah. forcing them to do movies on on there. But what uh, from what I've heard about that movie, it is the best thing that could have happened that that movie got uh, buried for them that because it. I heard it was not very good and it doesn't, that would not reflect well on them. Now they have something they can say, Oh, we wish it would have came out and blah, blah, blah. And you know, we were wronged yeah. and all that, but it's the best thing that could happen to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that movie, I think bad boys four is going to be a huge hit and that it's going to be Will Smith's all's right with the world. Well, I'll never forgive and I'll never forget. So, <laughs> all right. Um, so let's talk. The movie that is coming out a few days from now, it's going to be this Wednesday, August. What is that? August 2nd. Um, yes. yes. Yep. The previews on Tuesday night, August 1st. It is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mutant Mayhem is coming out. And the tracking on this movie right now, as of today on Box Office Pro, a three day of 27 to $36 million range and a five day range of 39 million to 55 million now this is a movie clayton that when we did our summer movie preview with jeff bach back in april or may i was pretty high on this movie and Mm -hmm. you were poo-pooing it i said teen titans go you you did say teen titans go and i mean i think just based on the tracking uh i i was correct to be high on this and i'm looking at the tracking and as of today i'm feeling like this is going to do over the tracking i i feel really good about this movie. So Christopher Ninja Turtles is a property that's been around since the eighties, you know, kind of its first peak was that original cartoon in the late eighties and the big Corey Feldman film in 1990. And it's had several revivals over the years, different cartoon series over the years have, have gotten popular. It had the Michael Bay two movie series, uh, I would say, what, the early 2010s. It had that TMNT big screen cartoon. There's been a lot of versions of the Turtles. Is the Turtles something that was relevant in your childhood? And what is the awareness of the young adults, you know, the college kids, young 20s? What is is the Turtles awareness there? Um, I think they were popular enough when i was a kid but i think most of my friends have grown out of it i don't think many of them either uh, none of them have at least talked to me saying like this is a movie they're interested in seeing so i really don't Mm. think that group 
is too interested. But for me personally, actually, funny story, that 2017 Age Mutant Ninja Turtles movie was the first movie I ever saw in movie theaters. So I do oh. have a special I do have a special connection to the Turtles. So I am planning on going and seeing this this weekend just to sort of bring it full circle. But like I said, I don't think many people in my age group are necessarily looking forward to this. I think this is one of those things where it's the younger kiddos and then this is for the adults that grew up mm. with Ninja Turtles back in the 80s and 90s. But I don't think turtles are ever like huge, huge in my generation. Okay. Well, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the positive thing about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is that it's it's refillable because oh yeah it, these, it's definitely a multi-generational thing where each generation has their own iteration of turtles yeah mm-hmm. and it's not like this is my turtle in the sense of you can replace the actors because a lot of times it's either cgi or in suits or animated mm-hmm. so nobody's going to be going to the wall for Corey feldman's michelangelo right he played michelangelo or Raphael. which one did he play pat do you know i think he probably played Raphael. okay I'll look that up as you speak but so that's the thing is nobody's gonna say hashtag not my teenage mutant ninja turtles most people mm-hmm. won't right and so I do think that's the benefit of this i think the thing that this has going forward is you know seth rogan is involved and he's been doing really good work. I mean, you know, his TV stuff's popping off. He knows how to produce comedy movies that actually make money at the theaters, which is such a rarity. And the style, the animation looks cool and different. And the voices on these characters actually sound like teenagers because they're voiced by actual kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a novel thing that they really haven't done. Now I never saw the 2007 cartoon but mm-hmm. to me, was that adult men playing those teenage turtles to your yeah, recollection? Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah, usually been the norm. These kids mm-hmm. actually sound like kids. And I think that's a cool sort of innovation to actually have them sound like teenagers, even though that's the first thing in the title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Corey Feldman did play Donatello. So he played the smart turtle. Donatello. Yeah. Now, when I think of it, of course, that was that was donatello okay um so yeah this is an animated film mutant mayhem it's definitely geared at kids you know nickelodeon is a co-producing partner on this movie and one thing i do think there's a movie where the actors strike and the actors not being able to promote will hurt a little bit because when you look at this cast it's just got so many names yeah that have high q scores you know john cena Rose Byrne, Jackie Chan, Ice Cube, um, you know, Seth Rogen, of course, Paul Rudd, Maya Rudolph. You've got Aya Edaberry from The Bear, you know, who's who's got a fan base now. Like, just people who are not, there's not a Tom Cruise in here, you know, but there are just so many famous, well-liked people that you would have wanted this whole cast making the rounds the week leading up to this movie. I who, think the awareness yeah. would have been higher if John Cena is just out there plugging this movie. Who wouldn't want to see Ice Cube and John Cena eating snacks from yeah. different countries yeah. for Lad yeah. Bible? Yeah, exactly. Um, but even with that, I just think that... Th- okay, here's what I, I do think helps this movie. Even though Barbie is the movie everyone wants to see and that's going to, in some ways, cannibalize other movies... I think it's going to help Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because it just makes going to the movies seem more fun for kids in this moment. 
And Turtles is an adjacent property to Barbie. You know, it is a toy property that's been around forever. And I do think there will be some Barbie magic that gets rubbed off onto Turtles. You know, like this genre feels hot. And I think that will carry over to this Turtles cartoon. Obviously not a Barbie level, but I think to me, it's going to open on the high end of these expectations. I think this whole genre feels kind of hot right now. Well, and there's also going to be logistical runoff. Right. Just in the sense that Mm -hmm. they're going to go try and see Barbie and they can't. And so next best thing is Danger Mm -hmm. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So let's get into, you know, we're not going to do our top five predictions. We'll save that for the weekend preview episode. We're also Meg 2, the trench is opening next Friday. So, I mean, just without getting into Meg 2, the trench, is there any problem for Turtles that its first three-day weekend will be running directly up against also not just Barbenheimer and the holdovers, not the holdovers of movie, but the holdover movies at the box office, but it also will be opening against Meg to the Trench. Do you think that affects the Turtles at all or doesn't matter? I think it could maybe a little bit because those are both very male skewing movies and you already have Oppenheimer there too, which is Mm. already basically a dad movie. And I think then the Meg is kind of a dad movie too. So I do think maybe having all these male centric popular movies out at the same time could cannibalize each other a little bit. But then again, I don't know right now there's a movie for every member of the family at the box office. So maybe a family goes to the theater. The dad goes off to see Oppenheimer, Mm -hmm. the mom and the daughter go to see Barbie and the little kid go, the little brother goes to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and they all meet back in the lobby uh, later that day. Yeah. That's Americana right there. And so then that, that little boy is just being sent off on his own because the little girl is with the mom. The dad obviously could fend for himself, but the little boy is just sent into a turtles auditorium and told to, you know, be careful and get back here. Which yeah. you should be able to do. It's just a movie theater, but still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what? The Sound of Freedom audience would not be for that plan. Because you got to watch out for that kid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think here's, you know, we were looking, Clayton and I were looking to book a Ninja Turtle screening for Clayton's birthday celebration this upcoming weekend. And I will say within New York, it was a little tough to find a good, you know, uh, a good evening screening of the Ninja Turtles. You know, it was on the Dolby's and the PLF's and the good screens in the daytime showings. But post six o'clock, I was having a hard time finding any, turtle screenings in good auditoriums so i do think that is where something like the meg and the barbie and oppenheimer uh holdovers could hurt turtles is they're really going to be relegated to the dregs of the auditoriums post five six o'clock in the evening this weekend but this is a pg film yeah so you're assuming that your bulk of the people who are going to go see this are going to go with their kids or our kids that are with parents and guardians and they go during the day, tuck the babies uh, into their cribs and or their beds if they're sleeping in big kid beds. And then parents hire babysitter, go out and see Meg 
go out and see Barbie, mm-hmm. go out and see Oppenheimer. So that's the beauty of having so many different movies going at the same time in the theaters is that a movie can do Bafa Bobo in those times during the day where the Oppenheimer crowd might be at work or, you know, going and having a dinner and then they, they have their time at night. So, I mean, I think that's good. I don't think that's going to limit how much mutant mayhem makes Mm -hmm. because the core audience for this is going to be kids and it needs to have the kids in order to succeed. It's not going to succeed on me and you and another friend of ours going to see this for my birthday. Right, right. It, it's it, this cannot cannot succeed based on friends going to see it for a forty something birthday party. Yeah, yeah, totally agreed. So the kids, you got to come out. You know, the kids who are listening to this, if you're in earshot of this podcast right now, it is on you to make Mutant Mayhem a hit this weekend. If you want Seth Rogen to be able to continue producing big budget animated fare at the theatrical box office. You need to come out this weekend. No one else is going to do it for you, children. You have to make Mutant Mayhem a hit. Pat, did you just cut the duty for the little kids? I I cut the duty. (laughs) I think you did cut the duty. Way to cut the duty. Okay, let's do numbers. Let's Let's get down to brass tacks. All right, I'm going to get into it because this, this has been, I've been predicting this to go high since the beginning of the summer. So I think a three day of, I think it's going to go over the high end. I think it hits 39 million, just under 40. I think it does 39 million for the three day. And therefore I think it hits, uh, 58 million on the five day. Those are my numbers. Wow. Turtles. Wow. Do you, do you want to go next, Christopher? Or would you like me to go next? Uh, yeah, I'll go next. I think for both of these box office predictions, it's going to be, more middle in the road, I think for the three day it hits thirty two million, and I think for the five day it goes up to forty seven million. But I wouldn't be surprised if they are more in line with Pat projections yeah. for sure. Christopher, just for future reference, that uh, that was a test and you failed. You should let me go first always, okay? Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Um, but my prediction is going to be for the three day. 33 million. So very close to yours, Christopher. And then I do think that weekend five day, complete five day. That's going to, I do think, I do think it could get close to 50. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with 48. Nice. I'm going to go with 48. So I'm like 1 million off of both of yours, Christopher, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the takeaway here is we're all pretty bullish on this movie. None of us predicted it to go on the low end of of the the range or under the low end. Like we we do think this movie is is coming out at a good time. And this is a Nickelodeon film, so I don't think any of us watch Nickelodeon regularly. But I am sure yeah. that it's it's crawling. That channel is crawling. Oh, with, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, with commercials for this movie. There is no kid in America that watches cable television that doesn't know that this movie is coming out. Yeah, this Wednesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're watching Ren and Stimpy reruns on Nickelodeon, you know that the Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is coming out this week. Mm-hmm. Um. So before we go, I just want to touch on some emails that we got. We're a little behind on just going through some emails and obviously some of them are now out of date because they were predictions for weekends that have passed. But I do want to touch on uh wannabe old boy, Daniel, 
sent us an email. And, you know, last week on this show, we broke down, divvied up the millions for Barbie's opening weekend or Barbenheimer's opening weekend. And uh, wannabe old boy Daniel wanted to make some adjustments. He thinks we needed to give another $10 million to Nolan. Uh, he said he's a crucial cog in the Barbenheimer phenomenon. This does not happen if he's not directed. If this is Oppenheimer directed by James Mangold or uh, Denis Villeneuve or even Spielberg, it's not happening. So he thinks we should have gave $10 million more to Nolan. He said another $5 million to Gerwig. She needs more, too. Uh, to copy and paste my explanation for why the Barbie IP should be lower. Um, do, do, do. And then he thought that the bomb IP needed more credit. We did not give the bomb IP that much money. And he says, you're underestimating how much people wanted to see this bomb go off in a premium IMAX or 70 millimeter screen. And listen, Hey, I'm possibly going to go see the bomb sequence go off in, uh, in IMAX again. So he might be onto something there. And he wanted to give a million each to Damon and Blunt. Yeah. Um, so now the thing that he needed to knock off is we gave the Barbie IP 40 million. And uh, Daniel said, you gave the Barbie IP 40 million. That's too much. Knock off 20 million. This Barbie movie could have gone very differently. If Amy Schumer is in this movie, for example, it's a di it's a different film. No slight against Schumer. The vibe is just totally different. There's a world in which alternate Barbie movie only gets $35 million opening weekend. That's why the Barbie IP on its own can't get this much. Yeah, so. I, I tend to agree with a lot of those points, actually, because mm -hmm. I do think Nolan deserves more. And I do think you take some of that Barbie IP and give that money to Greta because, I mean, like he said, that it could have been bungled. I mean, there is a world where a Barbie movie opens to $15 million and is lambasted by critics because it's the, oh, I, the IP itself has, and this was one of my problems with the movie. The reason why I had a hard time getting my head around it being a huge blockbuster is that Barbie is such a blank canvas and such an empty vase that it needed to be filled with ingenuity and a, and a great, you know, talent. And that's what Greta is. So I think, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't set itself up to be a very easy thing to adapt like Mario is or any of the superhero movies, because there's always going to be conflict there. And so I do think that the Barbie IP should get knocked down. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, we're mm -hmm. not going to relitigate. We divvied up what we divvied up, but yeah. I do think these were some very excellent points made by this wannabe oh boy yes so want to go to another email from longtime wannabe oh boy reed i'll read and you, reed. uh reed is talking about the barbenheimer experience you know seeing both movies at the same time or on the same day uh first of all he says it will be a long time before we have another hundred million dollar opener in relation to barbie and then reed goes on to say as for the theatrical experience moviegoers have it easy to do a Barbenheimer experience. In September of 1989, I did a triple feature of Batman, El Nightmare on Elm Street 5, and Sea of Love. There was no stadium seating, huh? There was no reclined seats, huh? There was no popcorn bucket refills, huh? huh. There was no Coke freestyle machines, huh? huh. So, huh. huh. Makes you think. Mm -hmm. That is true. Um, good on you, Reed for seeing on the same day, Batman, Elm Street, and Sea of Love. That is such a wide variety of films. That really is. The, the Sea of Love, that's the Al Pacino. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sex thriller. Yes. Um, And he's true. There were no reclined seats. When he did that triple, it, it was cloth seats that just had no give to them at all. Mm-hmm. You know, these were not shaped to the contours of any human's back no. back in 1989. These were possibly folding chairs, to be honest. And they hadn't put together the idea that chairs were supposed to be for bodies. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, they were. They I, were I can't even imagine the horror. I can't. I, I grew up in luxury. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Reed, for your service back in 1989 and all the way to today it is a, a life well lived uh, thus far for Reed. And uh, let's see anything else we want. Oh, let's give let's give wannabe boy Eric his flowers, because this is an email he sent us uh, last week. And uh, $155 million is how Eric starts. $155 million. The online bow is massive, and I doubt it would translate, but it's about to be moving. Wait, I'm, I may be far behind. No, here, let me give you what it was. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, he just, so I tried to, you know, my, my uh, home mic was turning me into a robot. Okay. And I was trying to say this last week at the end of our episode that... He had nailed the Sunday Barbie number, 155. Yes. yes. And he sent an email after that long email that you were trying to skim through to say, I nailed it. Yep. And on Sunday, you did. And I got to say, though, that even, even when it went up because of the, the, the good Sunday it had, nailing that, that three-day is super impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I will... I'll give you props because I don't speak in the young person's vernacular. You can talk about flowers all you want, Pat, because you're millennial and I'm Gen X. So I don't know from flowers. I'm also Gen X. I give my, I give flowers to my mom on mother's day. I was sad when Kurt Cobain died. I'm Gen X. Yeah. Well, I was sad too. Sure. Because we're both Gen X. No, no. Um, but yes, the takeaway there is congratulations. Uh, want to be, Oh boy, Eric, you nailed, the, at least before it got revised on Monday, he predicted 155 before Barbie opened, and the guy nailed it. Good on the head. So that is just great prognosticating there. So yeah, that those are some of the emails that we've gotten, and of course, I mean, at some point we've got to read some of the five star reviews that we yeah. Get. Do you want me to read a few while while we're at it? If you've got it open in front of you, yeah. Thank you everyone for this this just onslaught, a good onslaught of five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. This really helps. This job. isn't all of them. This is just a few. This sure. is what's showing up on my screen here. JPMNC said one of bo dot 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 people gave us five stars. You smell what the boys are cooking, says Alec Gibson. Great show, blah, blah, blah. Five stars. The B.O. Boys being a must listen each week as a slam doink. Mm. Uh, Kirk was right, says Hella, Hella Bump. Great podcast for anyone who appreciates movies and the weekly box office competitions. Awesome insights and great personalities. But I'm not a critic, huh? Uh-huh. We've got... Five stars from Movie Minifan. Great podcast, blah, blah, blah. And we have the best movie podcast in the history of the world, The Mysticals Xanthopolos. I'm sorry, I don't know, but great name. 
says, although your hosts, Pat and Clayton, are not critics, huh? Huh. this podcast will Mm -hmm. give you everything you need to know about the box office. And then, blah, says Joe M624, blah, 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 big man a fan, and you guys are appointment listening now. Thanks, Kirk Minahan, says Showtime33, refer to me by my friend Kirk, now part of my rotation. And then we have a great one from my favorite movie pod. Well, K Pash says my favorite movie podcast. Pat and Clayton have a great dynamic. I'm a wanna be a boy, bro. Mm-hmm. And then love these guys says Swerves69. I'm a barstool bro, but even I can follow along with these two intellectuals. Love the dry humor and sarcasm. A fun take on talking about the movies. Thank you, Swerves69. Yeah, thank you to all the listeners who have been giving us those five-star reviews. Here's something I'm going to say, though. We're on the air right now with Wannabeo intern Christopher. Yes. This guy is just just doing great work. Again, he earned his, uh, his renewal to continue being an intern and just passed all the tests with flying colors. So, Well, he so, didn't let me go first. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, yeah not, not one right. test. It's just right. one test. Sure. So not a perfect 100 average, but I mean, you're close to that 4.0 GPA. Oh, you know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're graduating with the extra tassel on your hat if you keep this up. And so listeners, when you drop the next set of five-star reviews, throw some love to wannabe a intern Christopher Her, You know, drop his name in the comments there. Drop his name in the five-star review. Let him know that he also was doing a great job. Yeah, great job, Christopher, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, guys. So that's the challenge this week is give us some five-star reviews and shout out Wannabe O intern Christopher. Yes. So, uh, and of course, continue to write us emails at the boboyspodcast at gmail.com. Let's get those Meg to trench, the trench predictions in here in the next few days because we'll be doing that preview episode towards the middle or end of this week. So send mm-hmm. us your predictions at the Podcast at gmail.com. Of course, much like the directors of uh, Talk To Me, we are YouTubers. We're on YouTube. So you've got to like, subscribe. And what else do you have to do on YouTube, Clayton? Ring that bell. Want to be a intern, Christopher? When you watch uh, uh, Abacadabra, what what is their YouTube name again? The Talk to Me directors, Rocka Rocka, Rocka Rocka. When you watch Rocka Rocka all these years, you've rung that bell, I would assume. Oh, 100 percent. Yes, yes. So that is what you do when you love your YouTubers. You ring that bell. So of course, go to the Bo Boys podcast YouTube channel, subscribe, and ring that bell. As if you were Christopher watching uh, Rocka Rocka back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, follow us on social medias, TikTok, Twitter, wannabe O intern Christopher. You're killing it with the vertical videos. I, for one, was not fully confident you would be able to make that switch from horizontal videos to vertical, but it's been seamless. And so thank you mm-hmm. for that. Thank you for your service. And uh, how is it? How are things going on TikTok there? Uh, TikTok's doing pretty good. We're getting we're getting a decent amount of views for each video. So everyone, make sure they go over there and just keep keep hyping it up. We 
We need more followers. We need more likes. So everyone just head over to Tech Talk. Check us out at the B.O. Boys pod. Do, are, are people able to ring any bells on TikTok? I think you are able to ring a bell on TikTok. Okay. And so, you, so make sure, yeah, ring, ring the bell on TikTok. Ring ring all the bells possible. Okay. Because you, you're like ringing a bell on TikTok will be a good thing. Yes, yes. Thing. Ringing okay. a bell on TikTok would be a good thing. Okay, great. So go to TikTok. Find at, what are we, at the B.O. Boys pod on social medias, right? Yep. So go there and ring bells. Want to be O intern Christopher does assure us ringing the bell on TikTok will be will will be good for us. So please do that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think we've done it, guys. Does my mic yeah. sound good? Oh, he's <laughs> no, th- he's the robot again. The the streak uh-oh, continues. Uh-oh. Um. So Clayton, I think we've done it. We definitely did it. I don't think there's anything left to say. No, nothing except for. Until next time, we're doing a fast one. We'll We'll smell smell you at the the box box office. office. Nailed it. Nailed it.